0: Hey, this is the Thrive Church Podcast. Our hope is this message will help you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday soon. Enjoy the message. You know what? I just want to say this is a, this church is going somewhere. You can just feel This place is going somewhere. You know, and it's exciting. You know, it's good to be a part of a church that has a building and everything and you can just go in there and hide. But it's, you know, there's something about, being a part of a church that's pioneering and getting right, part in the nitty gritty and sacrifice, setting up and doing all the fun things, and and because one day you're going to look back and say, "Remember when? That's right. Remember when? That's right. When? Remember when we were so small we could fit in Dalhousie Community Center?" <laughs> Amen. Because this place is going somewhere, but you know what? I, I just I just want to pray over this church because I feel like. Uh, the drummer, the brother over here, he mentioned something about this. Scott, yeah. And so, I'm just going to pray. You know, when, when there's, Jesus said, I, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's right. And that's, in other words, there's attempts of the enemy, uh, to come against his church, and he affects things. And but you know, we have authority over him. Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys. Whatever you permit will be permitted. Whatever you forbid will be forbidden. And so right now, I just cover this place now called Thrive in the Blood of Jesus. I cover Josiah, Natalie, Pastor Josiah, and Natalie in the Blood of Jesus. Their family. Everyone here in Jesus' name. And I just forbid right now the works of the enemy coming against the people in any way, attacking finances, attacking health. In Jesus' name, I break its power. I break that assignment against the, this church in Jesus' name. And I loose the angels of God going forth. I thank you for favors in this place. I thank you this church goes from... Uh, where it is now to thousands. Father, I thank you for a release of your blessings. Father, I thank you for favor that reigns over this church in all they do, in Jesus' name. Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. And so, also, I just pray for me as I preach. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, this is family weekend. Isn't that cool? So we're, we're going to talk about family. Yeah. And so I hope all you guys took your sweethearts out for on Valentine's Day. But today we're talking about kids, you know. I grew up... Uh, In a Christian home and Christian parents and, you know, a lot of good things. I, you know, I I remember though growing up, I I wanted to get married, but the thought of having children, I thought they're, you know, when they're like Levi's age, they're cute and you love them, but I was, I always had this sense, (laughs) I always had this feeling and maybe because I saw it that, you know, when, when children get up around uh, teenagers and all that, and I just thought, man, I don't want to, I don't want to. Raise kids that are on drugs and all this. I just, I just thought it was impossible to raise godly kids, wow. and uh, and so. But you know, I got married and then we wanted to have kids, and and um, there was a there was a man and a couple in our church. They had a young boy, and he was growing up. He was in his teens, and, and I saw something in this man, and I saw, or this young boy, and and uh, and the parents, and we would ask, "What are you guys doing that's making the difference? What are you doing that's help? Because I want that for our kids." Right. You know what, I, you know, throughout the Bible you see some great men of God, but they were failures as parents. Like Eli, how many have heard of Eli? First Samuel, you know, he was a failure as a parent. Mm. And he actually lost his ministry and his life because of his parenting. And then the the, the man that followed him was Samuel, who was one of the great prophets. But he was mentored under a, a model that. He didn't know parenting. You know that Adam didn't know how to parent? He didn't have a mom and dad. And so suddenly he has kids. What I do? Well, his first child uh, killed 25% of the world's population. Do you know that? And so it it wasn't until, you know, we're going to read some things in Proverbs where some understanding came on the family. God chose Abram, he says, because you're you're going to train your family. That's why he chose him. So I want to say, God has a plan for families. Yes, he, he is the Father, the ultimate Father. Every Father that exists is only a, a copy of that Father. And the ultimate part, the role of a father a parenting is really to point people to the true Father. Right. Everyone that is born on the earth has a hunger and a desire to connect with the Father. That's, right. that's, that's our whole goal, you know. And it's sort of, how many have ever played this game where Someone gives a message at this end, and by the time it gets to this end, it's a totally different oh, yeah. message, you know, and so it's sometimes like that. God says, I'm, I'm releasing fathers to show you what the real father is, but you know what? We're all flawed in some way, and that's why God says, I'm a father to the fatherless, and as, as good as a father I tried to be and all that, I always pray for my kids wherever I was, wherever they were fatherless, that you would be their father, Amen. And so I've got a couple of scriptures to open up with. In Isaiah 44, verse 3, it says, I will pour water to quench your thirst and irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. And they will thrive, say thrive, thrive. Like, water, like watered grass, like willows on the river bank. Psalms 102, verse 28, it says, The children of your people will live securely. Their children's children will thrive in your presence. I had to pull that scripture out. How's that? Give me a, give me a yeah for th- yeah. putting thrive in there. Amen? You know what? God is gonna cause your children to thrive and I, I believe even this mess, that this place is gonna be filled with young families coming in with their babies and their kids and needing help to, you know, in a dysfunctional world to figure out how to do this thing called raising kids and parenting. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome responsibility. Heard one man say, you know, before I had kids, I had six theories on how to raise kids. Now I have six kids, I have no theories. (laughs) You know, because every child is unique, everyone is different. You know, our first son, he was more compliant and easy to manage. Our our daughter, she had a bit of a backbone and, (laughs) you know what I mean? Sorry, Jessica, I wasn't talking about you. (laughs) You know, people get married, fall in love, they love they're going to live happily ever after, and then something illogical happens. They have this idea, we should have a kid, we should have a baby. Totally illogical. Totally illogical. Why would you want a baby? You're totally blessed, just the two of you. You have no responsibilities, no selfish little thing waking you up in the middle of the night. The minute you have a baby, you're going to lose sleep. Isn't that right? Like, I remember my wife saying, um, you know, the first six months of when we'd have our kids, um, she just didn't know what sleep was. There was a man and a young couple, they just had a baby in our church and we had a shower and people were giving out advice and and so I gave my advice to the father. I said, when the baby cries at night, pretend you're sleeping. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just kidding. You know, children are selfish little things. Mm. All they want is, feed me, feed me, change me, change me, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. And for the rest of your life, you're going to look after those little things. Mm. They grow up on you, but they just cost more money. (laughs) Someone said that the cost of raising a child is about $300,000 up till they get to the age of 18. So save yourself some money. But no. (laughs) The Bible says that children are God's reward. You know, and I think what God wants to say that the joy of having children, there's a sacrifice, there's a cost. But you know what Jesus said, he says, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. In other words, Life isn't about serving the self-life. You know, church isn't about serving the self-life. You know, people come to a church often and and it's have a consumer. I have needs, and that's all fine and good. But there's something that kicks in when you say, you know what, I'm not here just for me. I'm here to be a blessing. You know, I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to um, be a blessing. And I think that's what God wants to teach us through children, that, you know what, there is sacrifice, there's loss of of sleep, and there's all this, but you know what, there is a reward. Amen? Amen. And so here's I'm just going to give you... Seven keys. And if I don't preach fast enough, I might only give you three. (laughs) Number one, both parents are involved in raising the children. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, it says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. I want to say, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. I need to say this, you know, because I'm sort of teaching from the standpoint of the uh, two parents at home. But you know what? Some of the greatest heroes in our churches are the single parents. Yeah. Right, yeah. And so I want to honor the single parents. You're the heroes. You're doing the task of two people. Mm-hmm. And so in, in this way, I believe that God puts people in families and that even in a church that there's people that can gather around where the men and if, you, if it's a single parent, a, a lady, a mother, you know, that there's men in the church that can be there to help be the role models that they need as, as fathers, amen? Right. And so, I just want to give that as a caveat, but I, from, from this standpoint, I, I believe it's important for both to be involved in parenting. You know, a study, I, I read a study, and, uh, and they, they, found, they did this statistic, and they said, when both Mother and father attend church, 33% of the time their children will attend church, or 33% of those children, I don't know if that makes sense, a third of them, okay? And uh, about 60% will uh, attend semi-regular. If the mother attends, but not the father, 2% of the children are involved in church. If the father is involved, but not the mother, 38%. Are involved. That's quite a thought. But you know what? I, I just want to say I think our families are under attack in, the, in our society. Society wants to demean the family, wants to take the rights of the children or the parents away from the children. And uh, and uh, you know, if, if you watch movies and different things, how many times are, is the father lifted up and exalted? Usually the father is, is made out of some kind of klutz, some kind of dummy. Advertising and all this, the father is continually being put down. The mother has it all together. Thank God for the mother. We can both have it together. But I'm just saying, we need, to, we need strong fathers. We need men to be men. And that your role in parenting, it's not you're out there making money and doing all that, let's say. I mean, if that's the um, one way of doing it, but... Your, your, your parents, your kids need you. Mm-hmm. That's right. Amen? Amen? And so both parents are involved. You need to be in agreement. Have the same philosophy in raising your children. You know, sometimes it's, people have it set up like this, good cop, bad cop. You know, mother does all the disciplining while father's away and dad comes home and he's the hero. But you know what? If, if there's something that has gone on in the home, when the father comes home, he needs to step up and side with mom mm-hmm. and step in there. If something went on in school, that, that you need to step in there. Amen? Yeah, Amen. Um, Laura, in our home, what we did was we homeschooled our kids. And Laura, you know her—that's my wife. She's just an awesome lady. She should be here, actually, and uh, but she's preaching at our church, and so we just bless her over there, wherever she is. <laughs> um, but you know, she instilled a lot of the values in in our kids. And but one of the things she would do is when when I'd come home from work, she would. Get the kids. I mean, they were just little and said, Daddy's coming home, Daddy's coming home. And they'd run up to the door and they'd be just excited. And here I, you know, I, I felt like my esteem was lifted when I got home. Whatever went on at work, you know, that, that the children made it because she honored me in front of them. And so what, what the enemy wants to do, what the, what the children want, to, they want to divide and conquer. Number two, I want to go to this next point, uh, is teach. Isaiah 54, verse 13, it says, All your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. Great shall be their peace. It didn't just say you will have peace. Great will be their... Great, that word is shalom. It's a great word. You know, in Second Timothy 2 verse 6, 15 says, talking about, Paul is talking to his spiritual son Timothy and says, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus I'm going to ask, who's teaching your children? You know, your, your children, when, when babies are born in, into this world, they're just like sponges. Like, you know what a sponge is? A sponge just soaks up everything. They're, they're, just, they're made to just soak up things. And so they'll receive any information that gets inputted into them. In fact, children are, are born with an innate ability to believe. You have to teach them not to believe. And so, so people will play these tricks on kids and say, you know, there's a pink elephant out there. Well, they believe it. Until they go out there and say, there's no pink elf, all of a sudden you're learning and teaching that your words are not what you mean. And so, but you know, your children are, are learning. I mean, today it's, it's worse than when I was a child. I mean, there's iPhones and all the gadgets and social media and there's information that they're being in, inundated with on a continual basis. Values, worldviews are coming into your children that you may not want. Isn't that right? And so, the primary place for raising and teaching children is in the home. It's good to have a church with a children's church that supplements that, but it has to happen at home. Amen? Your children are going to our public schools and they're learning that if you're a a boy, you don't have to be a boy. You can be a girl if you want to. You can't get a tattoo without your parents' permission, but you can get a sex change without them knowing it. That's what's happening in our schools. You know that. You know that. There, there's worldviews that are being presented in your schools. And that's where, that, that are different than the Christian worldview. And in different things. And so this is what's happening. And, you know, I thank God, when, when, when our son was about eight or nine years old, he had a neighbor uh, kid, you know, that was, they, they homeschooled as well. And he came over with, the neighbor boy came over with some, um, VHS, that's a while back, right? <laughs> How many don't know what a VHS is? I can go back to reel-to-reel. To reel. Anyways, they, they, would, they would put in this guy, he, was, he would teach on creation. And, and not just, well, you just got to believe it, but he would show scientifically why evolution could not have happened. And these kids grew up with, with none of these ideas. So they'd, they'd go to class, they'd go to university, and they, no, that's just because the, the what do you call it, the, the teaching behind evolution was dismantled before they ever got to school. Amen. Amen. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Repeat them, the scriptures, again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you get up. I remember when, when our son David was like three or four years old. I mean, we got these home videos and movies. And, and uh, my wife is teaching him Psalm 23. And he can, I mean, he barely can say the alphabet, but, but he's, he's saying, Jesus, no, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And he's going down the slide and he can't finish. So, so she keeps prompting him. I shall not want, and he's going through this thing. So by the time he was three, he was learning scriptures, amen? And so, put the scripture, put the word in. And so, number three, train and discipline. When, when, our, when our kids were little, someone gave us a little puppy. I didn't want a, a, a dog, I just didn't, I thought, I grew up on the farm, dogs were outside, and we had this dog that came inside, and they gave us this pup called Ruffles, and Ruffles Was a cute little puppy. She just, she was just full of life, and she'd jump. But when people came to the door, she would run to the door, she'd jump up and uh, scratch on their pantyhose and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, we thought she was cute. Our dog was cute, but not everybody thought she was cute. (laughs) And so somebody came down and says, "You know what? She doesn't have to do that. You can train her." Really, that's a new concept. You can train your dog. And so we began to train. And so my daughter took over the training duties of the dog, and she did all kinds of neat things and. And had her do all kinds of rollover and all that kind of stuff. But you can train an animal. We had a, a family. I mean, we have, you know, when we have children's church, sometimes there's kids that, you know, they have different backgrounds and they, they go into our children's church. And, and, and sometimes we've had some of our teachers almost want to quit because of uh, things that are going on with the children. And there was this one situation, and so we worked with the parents. And, and uh, instead of, uh, she would come down there and, and say, how were the kids today? And, uh, and the teacher would say, they were good. Good, we're going to go to McDonald's. You know, it's like positive reinforcement. You know what I mean? We can help kids to say, you can be good. You can make choices. Amen? And so I just want to give you some scriptures here. Proverbs 22, verse 15, it says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. You know, I know Levi. He's so cute. Isn't he cute? I love Levi. You know, all your kids, they're born... I mean, God made cutes, kids cute so that you would just love them no matter what they are. Amen? And so, Levi's so cute. But, you know, the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And as cute as he is, foolishness is bound up in him. Isn't that right? And, 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 but the Bible says that the rod of correction will drive it far from them. You know, it's interesting that the Bible talks about this. Now, there's, there's laws against, you can, you can look up on the laws of corporal punishment, what, what's allowed, you know, and all that kind of thing. But I just want to give some things from the Scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 13, it says, I, I warned Eli that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. Our children need discipline. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. I just want to say some things. Is this okay talking about discipline? Is that okay? This is in the Bible. You know, there, there's reasons why there's all kinds of laws against, you know, because God's not into cruelty to children. You know, you should never discipline your children when you're angry because the anger that you have will go into them. And so if you can't d- discipline them in, without being angry, don't discipline them. Just back off, wait till you cool down. And you don't discipline them because they spilled the milk. You're looking for attitudes, rebellion, mm. obedience. You're looking for character. You know, there, there's a scripture that says that as a father... Or as a, as a potter works with a, you know how you get on this potter's wheel? It says, as a, as a potter works with this vessel, so our Father works with us. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for blemishes and things in the pot that, that will affect its integrity and the, and the structure and the whole thing. And he has a design in how this, this, this pot is going to look at the end. Isn't that right? And so God wants us to have a design for the children, how they're going to be. Amen. Proverbs twenty nine verse fifteen, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left himself brings shame to his mother. Seventeen, discipline your son and he will give you rest, and he will delight in your he will give delight to your heart. Proverbs twenty verse six, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, uh, here's a great promise. I mean, if you want, your, you want to teach your children, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I said, children, obey your parents. When, 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 our, when David was little, Michelle was little, we'll play, we played this little game with him called the obedience game. <laughs> and, and it was just teaching him to obey, and we'd reward him. And, and so we'd say, David, go, go to that wall and, and come right back. And he would come, yay, he obeyed me. And, you know, we'd, sort of like Simon Says or something like that. But it was just teaching him to obey. You know, that people, they, we, we need to teach them to obey. We need to teach them to honor. It says, honor your father and mother. And this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. How many want your children to live long? Yes. That it would go well with them. You know, I think that's a pretty good thing. And it, and it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so, so the, there's the discipline and there's training. Training and teaching are different, but they're both important. Isn't that right? right. And then uh, number four in this whole thing is model and impart. You know, we model something. You know, people don't do... You don't impart what you say. You impart who you are. Wow. Amen? Wow. And so, you know, in... Uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. I'm talk, he's talking to Timothy. A faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Amen? And so there's a faith that was transmitted down generationally. It was imparted, but it was modeled. You know, I have, a, again, a video. Is it okay if I tell a few stories with my son? But, um, you know, someone got our son David a, a lawnmower when he was probably three or four. It was the same color as my push mower. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we, we were, one day I was watching some of the home videos, and I was mowing the grass on the backyard, and it was really thick, and, and I'd have to stop, and I'd pull back, and, and I'd have to check the gas and do different things. Well, my son David is pushing his little rent lawnmower right beside me. And every time I'm backing up, he backs up. And every time I fiddle with something to get it, he steps on he, he's, he's, he's. It's like that song, Dad, I'm going to be like you. I'm going to be like you. They're watching us. And I, I remember one man said to me concerning, I, I guess it was more with my son, but it was, watch what you do. Don't... Step out of integrity. Don't cheat. Don't lie. I mean, those are obvious things, but, but model integrity in front of your son mm-hmm. because that's what goes into them. Amen? Mm-hmm. When When I was about six years old, I grew up on this farm, and my dad had bought a new John Deere tractor. It was one of the biggest, most powerful tractors in the community at that time. And I remember... We, hooked, we took, hooked up that big John Deere tractor and uh, hooked it up to this log, big log building. that is like a big barn. And this tractor moved this big barn. I'm six years old, and I'm thinking, mm. that tractor just moved this big barn. I thought it was the most massive thing. I thought, what a powerful tractor. And so we had some friends come over, and I was telling them, they were young kids, and, and they were, they, I was telling them about this tractor we got and how it pulled this big barn and this is what they said, all of a sudden they, re- well, my dad could do that himself.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: there was something in me that said, well, no, my dad could even move a bigger him- one by himself, you know. There's something about our as, as children, we want to, we the Bible says the glory of the children is in their fathers. They, they want to have a hero to believe in, amen. And so they, they need a model, so they're, they're looking for that. And so... One other thought here, actually a couple more, but is we release blessing. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 it says, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, in, in the Hebrew culture, in a Jewish culture there was a place of certain seasons in a child's life where they would impart blessing. And one was like maybe at birth and different seasons. One was on their bar mitzvah. It was, it was like at their 12, 13, they had memorized a certain part of the, of the scripture. Then there, there was different times, maybe at their wedding. And at the age of 30, there was an impartation of blessing. And so here's Jesus um, being baptized. He's 30 years old. He hasn't, he hasn't uh, preached the sermon. He hasn't healed a single person. And, and yet, as he's being baptized, there's a voice from the father, his father and says, this is my beloved son. In him, I'm well pleased. And, and Jesus went out of that empowered blessing to fulfill his destiny and his calling on his life. Amen? And so, so there, there's, there's key seasons where we, I remember with, with David and Michelle, when they were like 12, 13, we took some men, I remember with David, we took the men, we went on a, out to a park nearby and we built a bonfire. We had hot dogs and different things. I had these men gather around David and speak words of encouragement and, and blessing over them. You know, there, there's something about doing that. But, you know, it's not just a one-time thing. It's an all-the... It's a continual thing. How many have heard of Suzanne Summers? Three's Company? I mean, that goes... I mean, that's sort of way back. Go back and look her up. She's an actress. You know, she all kinds of exercise and she's written books and different things like that. And... Uh, but she, I, I heard an interview with her, and she, she said, um, I grew up in an alcoholic home. And... Uh, when, when my father came home, he's the alcoholic, he said, my mother would say, run upstairs, and they'd go into this closet that had a lock on the inside. And, and it was to hide from the monster that had just come home. And she said, we'd run up there, and we'd hide, we'd lock the door, and, and all we heard were the noises downstairs. And I sort of grew up with this fear and anxiety and this whole thing. So she never became an alcoholic, but it came on her brother and sister that became, died young with drug addiction and different things. And, but she said... Um, her father would say something like this to her, say, you're stupid. You're hopeless. You're worthless. You're nothing. You're a big zero. And this would happen again and again. You're stupid. You're hopeless. You're worthless. You're nothing. You're a big zero. And she said, I grew up and I had a child, five years old, and he was injured in a car accident. And had nightmares as a result of it. And so there was, she says, I was so poor. In the community, they offered uh, counseling for whatever you could pay. And she said, I would pay a dollar a visit for my son to get counseling. And after a year, the, his nightmares seemed to be over and, and he was doing good. And, um, but then the counselor says, I need to work on you. Me, why that? She says, I've never met a person with such low, low self-esteem. And she began to work with him and with her. And, and uh, the counselor says, now write, write some things that you like about yourself. And she says, I couldn't think of a thing except maybe my hair. And the counselor says, "No." This is, then she said, all I keep thinking is I'm stupid, I'm worthless, I'm hopeless, I'm a big zero. The counselor says, where did you hear that? And all of a sudden the light went on. She heard it over and over again from her father. drunken father imparted what was supposed to be a blessing but became a curse in her life. Here's the good news. She says, the counselor began to reparent me. Began to reparent, began to put the things in that I was missing in my life and built her up and set her out into... Being a success for what God had prepared her to be. There, there's a, there, we can speak, we, we're called to speak life over our children. Yeah, right. I, I know this one family; they have their kids are in their 30s now, but early they're they're just great, doing great things in ministry and different things. But this is what they would speak over them. Isaiah 8:18 8, says, "Behold, I, st- I stand here. The children whom the Lord Yahweh has given me are for signs and wonders." Our children are for signs and wonders. A number of years ago, I, I went into, we were looking for a home and not, so we were in Mount Royal, so I don't know why I was looking for a home there, but it was actually my brother-in-law that was looking for a home there as well. And so We had sold our house and we were renting and we were in, a, in the season of looking for a home. And, and so anyway, just for fun, we went to some open houses in Mount Royal. And I went into this one uh, house in Mount Royal And um, it was just, uh, people had money, and they had traveled, but they brought back all kinds of idols from different lands. All kinds of, I remember just being in there, and I would just feel this heaviness come on me. It was just like, my eyes were burning. It was like, I don't want to be here. I could not wait to get out of that house. And then we went into another home, and this one was totally different. It was light, and it was airy. You'd walk around, and you'd see pictures of of the kids all over the place. And then we walked into this one room, and, and it was a room that was... It was, I guess it was like on the main floor of the den. It was near the entrance, but it was like kind of the trophy room where all the children's achievements. took a whole room for the four kids. There was like this one that had all rows of ribbons, not just participation ribbons, and uh, trophies and all this kind of stuff. And then over here, another one. And it was like these parents were, you, you guys are important. We're, we're celebrating what you're doing. And we're going through the house, and then I get up to the master bedroom, and... and um, and I, I, I'm trying not to be snoopy, but on on the end table of the master bedroom is this big plaque, and I'm going to read this. On this plaque, it was, "His favor lasts a lifetime." It says, "I will see the riches of God's goodness in my life. I will experience His incredible blessings. I will stand out in a crowd and step into the fullness of my destiny." I will see my God-given dreams and desires come to pass. Psalm 512, Surely you will bless the righteous. You will surround them with your favor. And I felt like that plaque just gave me an insight of what had happened in that home. That in that home, they spoke the blessing of God over their kids. You know what? You kids are going to be a blessing. You're going you're to be world changers. You're going you're to cause things. You're made for something good in this earth. You're going to see some things happen. And you know what? Kids, they're, some, they're made for greatness. Your kids are made for greatness. I want to say, you're made for greatness. You know, and you might be here this morning and, and you're in a place where, you know, I wish I would have had a dad. Maybe, maybe you relate to the dad that you had to run up in the closet and he spoke all kinds of things over you. But that's not your, that's not your definition of who you are. God has a new definition for you this morning. Amen. God, God came... You know, I like this scripture. It says, he's a father to the fatherless. And you may have, you know, I I remember I grew up in a good home. My father, you know, parents loved us and all that kind of stuff. But I remember, you know, I wasn't even pastoring our church at that time yet, and a lady came up to me and just gave me a note. It was like a word, and it was like, let go of all that your father did or didn't do. Release him and allow me to father you. Allow me to be the father that you've always wanted. You know, as much as I could try, my own children need to connect with the father and have a relationship with him. And there's a place where God wants to reparent us, and where, there's, where there's been blessings missing in our life and different things. God wants to change that. I was in a, One more story. Is that okay? I was in... I helped with a friend of ours, a man in our church. He he was a businessman, but he'd he he, um, go down to Mexico and work with this agency that helped with orphanages down there, and so I went with him and uh, brought a hammer and all that kind of stuff and while we're down there we 'd work during the day and build the orphanages, and then we'd go to a different orphanage. There was about seven different orphanages in this small little city, smaller than Calgary, and we'd go there and barbecue and do different things for them. and we went to this one orphanage. it was by the run by the Salvation Army. And we, we had fed them, we had cooked and did all kinds of things, and at the end of it, um, the captain of the Salvation Army, he, he came out to us and he says, I wonder if you guys could help us. We, we got these two little boys. They're like eight and nine. And um, there's just something with, wrong with them, and we don't know what to do with them. And uh, one of the ladies on our team says, Maybe we should speak a Father's blessing over them. I thought, what? I mean, I'd studied some things on that, and I was prepared a little bit. So so I remember getting down, and, and everything had to be translated. And so they, they, they brought the two little boys and held them by, let's say it was here. And I just got down on my knees, and I didn't know if this was going to work. Like, I mean, they, I'm, I don't speak Spanish. And, and I just began to... Pray over them. I just bless you. I bless you when you were born. I celebrate the day that you came into this earth, and I took them through different stages of their life. I celebrate when you learned to walk. I celebrate. yay, he walked. Or you rode your bicycle. I began to celebrate what things that they were missing in their life when you went to school. I speak life over, and it's going through this translator. All of a sudden, these boys are wailing. Deep from within, inside, they're just, ah, crying. We're going through the whole thing. At the end of it, it was like, nah. They were so limp from crying. They were just like, you know, just like a sack of potatoes. But here's the fruit. Sometime later, we heard from that captain. He says something changed in those boys. Just through a simple act, not because I knew them, but because I became a channel for God's blessing to flow through them. And you know, you come to a church, and you know, here's here's where God wants to use the man of God in, in this place, and the, and the Natalie, the woman of God, to to impart blessings to you. People come in with dysfunction, and you know, all kinds of things and patterns and things and belief systems about your, themselves. But this is a place where God begins to say, "No, this that stops now. There's a new script being written. There's yeah. a new pattern being written over your life. There's a new thing. There's a new plan for you." Amen. That's good. And so, I wonder if we could just all stand. Thank you, Jesus. Just, if you could just uh, open up your, I just, sometimes just even opening your hands is that opening your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you are the Father. And today, Lord,
1: I release and I forgive
0: my Father, my Mother, where they left me fatherless in different areas. And Lord, this morning, I thank you that you rewrite the blessings, impartations. Discipline me where I didn't have it. I thank you for the instructions. I thank you today that you put me in a family. That I can be all that you've called me to be, that I would be a child that would thrive in your kingdom, in your purpose. And I just speak now life over each one of you. I speak that you are blessed in Jesus' name. I go to seasons in your life, and I just speak the blessing over your life today in the name of Jesus, where things were said that put you down. Father, I release you from that today in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that you are above only and not beneath, that you are a success waiting to happen. Father, I thank you for people being raised up from uh, bondage and addictions and different things. Father, I thank you that those cycles are being broken. And Father, I thank you there's a new connection this morning in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and, and you don't know, Jesus said, I came. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Just just everyone, just close your eyes for a minute. As we're we're standing here, if if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never connected with him, and said, Jesus, you died for me. You died for my sin. I put my faith in what you did for me. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus like that, would you just lift up your hand? Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I just thank you this morning that you're taking each one here and you're connecting them with the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to have you join us a Sunday soon. For more information about Thrive Church, you can go to our website, thrivecalgary.ca. See you next time.